Now to Matthew 18. Um, I, I hope you love the kids of Bear Valley Church. They're just such an example. I, I shared with you a few weeks, I held a couple of them up in front of you to have a visual uh, but there's such a blessing to me to see their little faces and how they try to explain life to me. And sometimes I think I'm uh, above them, but I should listen more often. Uh, I, I love to hear their little voices, how they process things and uh, their, their excitement to life, which some of us are a bore. Some of us are a bore, and you know who you are. Um, some of you are saying, yeah, the guy up there, he's a bore. Uh, uh, but we see the, the youthfulness, the childlikeness in them. And to remember that this is what Jesus did in Matthew 18. He, he brought a little one and they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Who's the greatest? And, and we talk about that. We say, well, I'm better than them because of what I do. And uh, they're, they're the sins that they've done have brought them down here. And I'm above them because of this, that, and the other thing. My intellect, my experience. Uh, my personality, whatever it is. Uh, we think we are ahead of others. And, and Jesus, as the disciples were talking about that, he brought a little one and put him in the midst. And he says, here it is. Here it is. The, the one that is greatest, the one that uh, will have entrance into my kingdom will be like this, childlike. They have a childlike faith and trust that they may not know all the answers, but they know the one who does. They have a relationship. They trust in the one who does, Jesus. And so uh, Jesus spoke of this childlikeness, and now he is carrying out that ideal of us being his childlike followers as being these little children. Last week, we looked at um, the warnings of Jesus where he warned uh, Everyone who was listening, primarily his disciples, he said he, he warned against them causing one of these little ones to sin, to set sin before them and set them up for failure and to going headlong into sin. And even the idea of temptation, he warned them against tempting one of these little ones in such a graphic way where he says that they should have a millstone. It would be better to have a millstone tied around their neck and dropped in the depths of the sea. And now this morning we'll pick it up at verse 10 uh, in the book of Matthew. So if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you, starting at verse 10, the parable of the lost sheep. God's word says this, See, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of the Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on a mountain, on the, on the mountains, and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it, it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not uh, the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. God, we ask your blessing on your word that we would not move into error or we would downplay it, but that we would see it in clarity and it make an impression on our heart that you'd teach us in our heart. Your spirit would be our teacher, the same spirit that inspired this word. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
So Jesus continues to speak of the little one. And this morning we are going to get three wrong thoughts on the children in the kingdom. Three wrong thoughts that might be uh, ours we have right here as we look at one another, his little ones. And I, I want to point out that he keeps on going back to these little ones. And I, I think the impression he's trying to make on the disciples is this, that when we look in his group of people, his kingdom, his church, when we look around, we look at some people as important and other people as insignificant, unimportant, weak, not that helpful to the team, not that helpful uh, when it comes to, you know, they're not the most important player. It's still this idea of greatness that we look and we see, and he, he wants to go over and over again, this idea of these little ones. Uh, if you were going to build a spaceship, you wouldn't take any of these little ones right here. If you were going to balance a checkbook, you wouldn't take any of these little ones here. If you were going to uh, dig a ditch or build a house, you wouldn't want any of these little ones here. If you were to clean the house, you wouldn't take any of these little ones right here. Uh, in fact, they're the anti-clean uh, the house crew, right? The destructors, uh, you know. We, we look at these things and we realize that they're, they're not that good for the team. And sometimes when we look from side to side, we look at one another and we say, hey, you're not that important. You're not that important to God's team. And so we'll see Jesus explaining to us three different things, thoughts that are wrong as we come and we consider those in his church, those in his kingdom. Verse 10, uh, first one is this, you're nothing special. You are nothing special. As we look at verse 10, it says this, see, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of the Father who is in heaven. This idea of despising, it's the idea of looking down on or considering insignificant. And, and he warns us against this. It, to look down or consider inferior, not worth consideration or care. I believe the reason he's warning us against this is because we do this all the time. As we consider people we know, people in the church, people in our family, and as we process in our mind, as we consider them, what do we say? They're not that big of a deal. Uh, they're annoying for this reason. They're this, they're that. And he says, do not despise them. Do not look down on them. And the, the, the obvious question, we wouldn't say this maybe to Jesus, maybe we would, is say, well, why not? Why not? They are insignificant. They are complainers. They're not that good on the team. They don't pull their weight. I'm one who pulls my own weight. Why should I not look down on them? Give me a reason. And Jesus does. Uh, we would say you're nothing special and Jesus would correct us and say, do not despise them. Do not look down on them in any way. And he gives a reason. Um, he speaks of angels. He says, for I tell you that in heaven, they're angels. They're angels. As you consider angels, you can look to the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. 
And it describes the function of angels, and it says this, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So you get this picture. What is an angel? What is an angel? Um, I always, I'm always afraid when I start talking about angels. You know why? Some of you watch Touched by an Angel. Uh, you know, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You know, we, we start getting all these pictures of angels that come from some movie we enjoyed or our grandma had some figurine, some creepy figurine that was up in their house. And, and, and you say, well, that, that reminds me, you know, that, when I think of angels, those are the things that I think. And, and I want to tell you, uh, this is the warning this morning is let's look to the scriptures. Let's let the scriptures define and even limit our picture on what an angel is. And so in this passage, we, we see this. I cross-reference to Hebrews chapter 1, and it says it gives us these pictures that even the, the name of an angel, that what it means, this idea of messenger, it goes, he goes about ministering in such a way for, for a particular purpose. He, he goes about doing what is needed from God to his elect, the, the ones that he is calling to salvation. He is working in their lives. He is participating. He is going before them. If you can say it this way, uh, an angel is a servant of God, a servant of God, and attends to his people. You think about that and you say, well, uh, God has angels. We don't know how many. It's, it, it, it's, it's a lot. That's a lot. And their duty or their purpose is to do what he wants. They serve him by taking care of us. Okay? Get that picture in your mind. They are the ones that God uses to take care of us as participants down here in this life. We don't have a whole lot of data in this passage about what it is, but what should stand out to us is that he says, they're angels, they're angels. And if you can picture this in your mind, he's saying all this insignificant people, he, you know, the idea of insignificant people, the people of Bear Valley Church, okay? Those are the insignificant people. We may not think of ourselves as such, but we are, Okay? Just to correct you here this morning, the insignificant people. Most people don't even know where Bear Valley Springs is, okay? Uh, it's at the end of the cul-de-sac, um, cut off from civilization, especially this last week. Um, but we, we, we see this, and yet it says this, that the insignificant people, the, the little ones, the little children, what? It says they're angels, they're angels, and so you get this picture. You can look over at Genesis, and Jacob spoke of an angel that was concerned about him. In Daniel uh, chapter 10, it speaks of angels for, for nations. In Revelation, it speaks of angels in the churches, taking over the churches and, and ministering in that way. Luke chapter 16 rejoicing when a sinner repents. You have this interaction where God is working and angels are participating at his bidding in the affairs of life. And so you have this idea that, that angels, and he says they're angel. And we don't know, some of you are going right to it right now. You're going, ah, oh, guardian angels. 
That's what it is. Maybe. It doesn't say specifically that each one of us has an angel, but it says that he is, he, he is taking care of us in this way uh, through angels. And once again, I, I want to warn you, uh, when you're setting up your angelology, what you believe about angels, uh, be careful, be careful. Um, and as you, as you see what angels do and understand uh, how, how great that is for us, don't glorify the angels. Uh, you know what that's like? That's like, you know, the, the brown truck rolls up to your house and the guy hops out and he's in his brown outfit and he brings the brown package and you look at this guy and you say, you're the greatest. What a kind man to bring me a gift. No offense to BJ up there, you know, uh, right? It's not, about, it's not about the one that delivers. It's about the one that sent. It's about the one that had concern for us. It's God. He loves us. And so he has these angels to do uh, what he desires in participation with us down here. So don't glorify and worship them, but worship the one who sent them. What does it say about these angels? It says this. It says, For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So get this. If I were an angel, it's a funny picture in and of itself, isn't it? Uh, if I were an angel, I, I would be fixated on God. His, my face would be on his face all the time. And the picture there is this, that I'd be ready, I'd be ready to do what he wanted me to do. That I, that I would be dialed in and, and, and ready to be that messenger, to be that one who goes about and does all the time. I, I'm ready, I'm as a soldier waiting for the command and, and fixated on the Father's face, and you get this picture here of this. What happens when there's something going on down here on this earth? What happens when we would perhaps despise one another? It's the picture that the angels are ready to go. They're ready to go about and do. And to see the care of the Father, that He cares so much. He cares so much for his little insignificant children that he has this army of angels, this army of angels ready to, and they're ready on alert. Why? Because he cares for the ones that they're to minister to. We might look at one another and say, you know what? You're nothing special. There's, there's no, you're no big deal. You're not even that great of a part of the team. We wish you weren't even a part of the team. We may look at one another like that. And Jesus corrects us and he says this, uh, you may think of one another as nothing special, but I want you to know this, that I have angels that watch over these insignificant ones, that they take care of them. And their face and my face are like this all the time. And heaven rules over earth. And I'm in heaven. And, and this is more significant. You may think you have it right. And you may understand who you think is important and who isn't. But I want to tell you this. These little ones that are mine, that trust in me, 
Guess what? They're the ones that have angels that are taking care of them. They are the ones that God watches over in such a careful way and protects and, and works in their life. So you're nothing special. That's a wrong thought when it comes to God's people. You look down and we get to our second wrong point and I'll just say it like this. I got 99%. I got 99%. I don't know what kind of student you were in school. Uh, some of you are in school right now and it won't last forever. Okay, I just want to encourage you by that. I don't know what kind of student you were in school. But if you if you're the kind of student that could only get 100%, maybe you can't maybe I can't relate to you, okay? As opposed to you relating to me. But um but if you got 99% and you walked away, you, you know, what's 99% by the way? What grade is that? It's an A. Yeah, it's an A. That's great. I got an A. And A you can't really I mean you could get A+, but I think that's even an A+, okay? I don't know. I didn't get 99% very often. But if I did, but if I did get 99%, hey, we're going out to dinner, right? We're celebrating. 99%, that's a great grade. I want you to keep that in mind as we look at uh, th- this next section, th- these next couple of verses, chapter, uh, chapter 18, verse 12. Jesus, he, he's leading them along and he asks them, well, what do you think? What, how do you view this? He says, verse 12, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the, on the mountains and go search for the one that went astray? You think of this picture and he's saying, just 1%, just one sheep. And, and in my mind, I'm saying, well, 99% is pretty good. It's okay. It's, it's great, in fact. It's not like he, he lost a quarter of them. It's not like half of his flock is gone. You know, What's the big deal? One, in fact, you, you kind of get this picture in your mind. Uh, if you're doing a job and you say, I got it 99% done, that's good enough. It's not a big deal, that other 1%. I remember uh, previous, it marked me so much. Uh, uh, Malcolm Forbes was running for president and uh, they were talking about, he's a big finance guy, Forbes magazine and uh, he was over this huge project in Europe. I don't know what it was or whatever. And, and they were bringing up to him. And he says, your company, your, your project, they did an audit and they couldn't find $13 million. And, and everyone kind of gasped. And in classic Forbes way, he didn't bat an eye. And he goes, yeah, $13 million. He said that project was over a billion dollars, and so that particular portion of it was this. It was less than one. Like he he started going over the math, and he said it's no big deal. And everyone kind of goes, "Oh, okay, (laughs) yeah, it isn't a big deal. Percentage wise, it's not a big deal." I look at this, and we we like to think percentages. We like to think good enough, and yet you hear the the heart of Christ, and he says, "If a man has a hundred sheep and one, just one." And this, this number one keeps coming up in this passage. One of them has gone astray. Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? Losing sheep. What do you think when you hear of one of this group of sheep? 
that no longer walks with Christ, isn't showing up anymore, isn't, you know, going through a time where he's out on his own. Sometimes we have the attitude that says, serves him right, that he's in danger. He wandered away, got outside the fold, of course, that's what's going to happen. Serves him right. Some would say, well, fine, Bear Valley Church, sometimes we have problems with seating. Uh, I'm sure somebody else will come in and take their seat. I'll get another. Sometimes we think of the, the straying sheep and we say, you know what? They've always been trouble anyways. They've always been trouble. Maybe some of us are even so callous where we would say, good, hopefully they'll get eaten and I'll never have to deal with them again. I know of a rancher um, that he was explaining to me, uh, you know, he's got his, his cattle, and he says, you know, if, if I find one that's trouble, jumps over the fence one or two times, I take him down to Arvin, that, that auction yard on the other side of town there. I just get rid of him. I, I don't have time to deal with the one. That's most of the time our attitudes. If they're problems, get rid of them. We do that with our cars. A car breaks down. They break, breaks down once, we, we fix it. Twice, three times, we get rid of it. Gently used, right? Uh, sometimes we have to say, needs a little TLC. A roof that leaks, we say, well, it's not too bad. We can patch it up a little bit until we get tired of the problems. And sometimes when we get tired of the problems with our friends, we get rid of them. Sometimes when we get tired of the problems in our marriage, we quit. Sometimes we get tired of our children. Can't wait till they become 18 and then we abandon them to the world. Sometimes we get tired of our church and we say, forget it. I'm not going back there again. Jesus' picture, he says, uh, the one, just the shepherd, as he loses just one, uh, he, he says he goes in search for that one that went astray. The, the heart that uh, the shepherd has is revealed in verse 13 as well. well as it, it says this, and it, if he finds it, truly I say, uh, to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that went astray. It, it's, it's the idea here that he has an exceeding joy over finding the one in danger. The, the 99 are not in danger. They're part of the flock. They're part of the fold, if you will. They're okay. They're fine. They're safe. And yet his heart is burdened and broken for the one that's stuck out there, the one that's apart, the one that's exposed, the one that's in danger. His heart is broken for that. And so because his heart is broken, when he finds it, he has this exceeding joy over the one that's been found. He's not saying that he doesn't care about the 99, but he has a peculiar and special above and beyond joy for that one that's been found. And why? Because of the danger and hardship and need, the place that they were at. It causes him joy when he's found safe and sound back in the fold. 
I want to say it this way. God is not okay with most of the sheep being safe. He's not, he's not okay. Not even 99%. Because he's current concerned with even one of his little ones that's in danger. That's been you. That's been you. You could stand and give testimony right now of places you were and things that you were doing where you were in danger. Maybe you're in danger right now. You just came because uh, for the kids or for your wife or I don't know why you were here. But, but you realize that, that Jesus has not given up on you. He's not okay with just 99%. And then lastly, the wrong thought is God doesn't care about individuals. In verse 14, you see this. It says, So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It's hard sometimes because um, we look at the sea of humanity. Um, we get in a crowd even like this and some would say, well, God doesn't care about me. A couple hundred people here. He, he's not concerned about me. He doesn't know about me and my situation. He doesn't care. He's just wanting his church to go on. And if I fall by the wayside, it's not a big deal. Jesus reiterates the, the heart of the Father and his heart as well. And he says this, my Father in heaven, he's always pushing towards heaven that, that heaven's uh, rule would rule on earth, that the ideas of heaven, that the authority of heaven would be known to be over that which is on earth. And he says, the will of my Father is that not even one not even one of my little, insignificant, needy people, not even one would perish. Jesus cares about the individuals. This should give us a new way of thinking. This should give us a new way of thinking. This passage should give us a new way of thinking. And let me go through the three quick points here as we look at this new way of thinking. A new way to think about ourselves. A new way to think about ourselves. Do not find yourself to be insignificant. Don't find yourself to be great either, by the way. But don't find yourself to be insignificant knowing that God has chased you down. He has chased you down. He has found you. He has concerned himself with you. And as the 99 were safe, when you were out straying, he went and found you. He went and found you. So for you to think differently, a new way about yourself, to know that God loves you and the cross of Christ proves it. And his constant pursuit of you and your life and chasing you down shows it. Secondly, uh, and really the primary purpose of this passage is that we would have a new way of thinking about others. A new way of thinking about others. As you look from side to side in this group right here to know that you should not look down on anyone. Why? Why? Because of, of the concern and care of God for that person to your right or to your left. For, for these little ones, for the youth. You know what? Youth are problems. They're problems. They're messy. They, they, they mess up your stuff. They're loud. They stay up too late. Um, the list could go on. Yeah, we could do a brainstorming session. All the problems of youth right here. But you know what? We shouldn't look down on them. Why? Because, because God has them in his heart. 
Some of you might look down on, on young parents and you know the, the silly ideas that they have. I could go on. Uh, you might look at us middle-agers and go, what a pathetic group. And you're right, and you're right. The empty nesters, the, the older retired folks, you might look down on any group like this, any particular people, but know this. You should see them as God sees them. And, and as he know this, that there's great concern that he has for them. And then lastly, to know this truth that should uh, uh, change the way we think, this new way to think, is about our role in the kingdom. Our role in the kingdom. It's all about others. It's all about others. I love how this passage starts out with this idea of who's the greatest. And Jesus quickly gets out of there and shows it's how you view others. It's focusing on others. You know why we're so miserable? Because we're not focusing on others. You know why? Because God, that's what he wants us to do in his kingdom. It's not who's greatest in the kingdom. It's how we fulfill our role. And you know what God's working on? His people, his people. And so for us to think in terms of what is life all about, it's about others. It's a new way of thinking. If you don't get your way, great, awesome. Because life is not about you getting what you want. Life is about you serving others. Please join with me in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning, for the blessing of being with your people, from hearing from you and your word. God, I pray that you would mark us and brand us, uh, that you would change our thinking through this passage. May we realize the love and care that you have for your children and that we might have those same thoughts as well. Teach us to live for others. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. You are dismissed.
that come